You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. I have uh, my son in here for a reason, Liam, um, to illustrate something. Um, my other one's too young and too squirrely to trust in the midst of a sermon. So I've got my older one. We'll see how he does, right? But first, go ahead and turn to 1 Kings. We're just gonna start reading. We're gonna be in 1 Kings verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 21. I'm just gonna read this. It's not gonna, it's not gonna make sense right away um, with the lesson, but it will. But I just really needed to start by reading this. Now Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, reigned in Judea. Rehoboam was 41 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city that the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. His mother's name was Nama the Amorite, Ammonite. And Judea did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked him to jealousy with their sins that they committed more than all that their fathers had done. For they also built for themselves high places and pillars and ashram on every high hill and under every green tree. And there were also male cult prostitutes in the land. They did according to all the abominations of the nations that the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. In the fifth year of King Rehoboam, Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem. He took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took away everything. He also took away all the shields of gold that Solomon had made. And King Rehoboam made in their place shields of bronze and committed them to the hands of the officers of the guard who kept the door of the king's house. And as often as the king went into the house of the Lord, the guard carried them and brought them back to the guard room. I had this question this week that the Lord had given me. Um, he keeps using, it's very humbling, but he keeps using people that do not believe in the Lord to teach and release words of truth. They don't know it. And now what he's doing is he's allowing me a snapshot of these people that are, pursue, that are living life not knowing God and are starting to stumble upon him. You can't escape him. He's, we're, we're made for him, every one of us. Living and breathing on this earth was made for him and by him. But they're stumbling upon these truths that are uh, mind-boggling for me. And the Lord gave me this question after watching this interview. What do we hold on to that prevents us from walking in the fullness of all that he has for us? Now, the obvious thing that we've heard taught when presented a question like this, what are we holding on to that's not God? We, we immediately go to materialistic things, right? That's, that's kind of like the Christian easy answer. Oh, it's you're holding on to that sports car. That's why the Lord's not using you. I've, I've seen plenty of people that drive really nice cars be used by the Lord. That doesn't have anything to do with it. Now, can we hold on to those materialistic things and make idols out of those things? Of course we can. Do you know that? Yes. 
But Zach taught about dreams a few weeks ago. And I'm a dreamer. If you know me, you know that I'm a dreamer. Um, sometimes far out of reach if I, if I stay dreaming for too long in myself. But because the Lord has made me a dreamer, when I dream with the Lord, he shows me pretty cool things. And so I've thought about this lesson from Zach for a while. And what the Lord showed me is that something that prevents us from walking in fullness. Now, he was talking about dreams and walking in those dreams and receiving those dreams for ourselves, receiving those dreams in our own lives, and then walking in the spirit to see those come to fruition. But what prevents us, what's the first thing that happens when the Lord gives us something, when he gives us something that he wants to do over our lives, as we just saw Uh, with Johnny, the Lord spoke very clearly. I remember this day when Ashley was in the hospital. I remember those words. I remember the Lord. It wasn't just Max. The Lord was telling a lot of people that she was going to get up again. Those were promises to that family. But what was the, what is the immediate temptation that we find there when the Lord speaks a promise over us? We begin to form our own expectations of dreams given by God. Listen to that again. When the Lord gives us a dream, then all of a sudden we start to formulate in our head how he's going to do it and what it needs to look like. We do that with almost everything. Even a prayer for a need. We will pray for a need and then we'll start thinking about, okay, this is how the Lord's going to do this. This is how he's going to make it work. And we use it as almost a comfort to quiet and suppress our own doubt in the Lord's ability to hear and provide. But then we form these expectations and then what happens? The Lord doesn't do it in that way, and we're disappointed. We're upset with him. Well, he didn't answer. He didn't answer my prayer. He didn't fulfill his promise. Yeah, he did. He just didn't do it in the way that you wanted him to do it. God gives dreams, but we put expectations around it of our own making. Cheap substitutes are what those expectations are. We know the story of Solomon, and we know the prosper that Israel encountered under his reign through that time as he walked with the Lord. We saw all these great and wonderful things that that were done in that kingdom, including those golden shields, taken. But in that moment, what did the king settle for? A cheap substitute. You can't hold gold and bronze in front of me and think anybody in here is going to choose bronze over gold because it's not more valuable. It's not more precious But we settle for cheap substitutes in the making of our own expectations around the dreams of God. And so then we form these expectations and then we see something that kind of looks like the promise of God made to us. And we're like, I'll take that. Like that's actually not what the Lord wanted for you. The Lord provides a house and all of a sudden the house comes available, but it's got holes in the wall, the roof leaks, none of the toilets work. But you're like, there it is. Like, is that the house he promised? Or is that a cheap substitute that you're settling for because you want it now? The Lord's got to move quicker. Liam, (laughs) his eyes got real big. Can you come up here, buddy? Lord just showed me this example real quick. Here, stay over there. Get out of the way. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? There it is. Okay, get over here. You're right there, right there, right there, right there. Okay. What, what did daddy say was at church for you this morning? 
What was it? It was a surprise. Yeah, we talked about having a surprise. Okay. Did I say it was a was it a pretty cool surprise? It was gonna be awesome. Yeah. Right? Okay. Hold that. Does that look like a pretty awesome surprise? <laughs> the disappointment. Immeasurable. Okay, well, what if I said the key to having this great, awesome surprise is you've got to give me that piece of candy back because you can't have that piece of candy. You good with that deal? You good with it? Are you good with it? Okay. All right, there's your surprise. Is that better? Is this better? It's not better than one sucker? You can have all this, or you can have one sucker back. Do you want all this or one sucker? No, shut Take it. Here, take it. Take it to doodle. Go on. Get out of here. Should he use the two-year-old? No, he did good. He did good. You get what I'm saying, though, don't you? You understand it. Why do you think that was so easy for him? I mean, he did, did he hesitate to give me that sucker back? Now, let me tell you, I've just committed a, a, a serious crime against my household by giving him all that candy. I can't take it back. Like, that's his candy now, so I'm in trouble. So I hope you understand the message, or I've done all this for, for nothing. Really, Sarah's the one that's in trouble, because I've got things I have to do later. I won't be home. <laughs> Why was it so easy for him to give that sucker He knows me. He trusts me. His whole life has been with me. He knows that I'll provide for him, that I'm there for him, that my word is my bond towards him. So no problem. No problem at all giving it to me. Liam had a cheap substitute. And now I I did tell him this morning that I had something, I had a big surprise for him. And his eyes lit up. He was so excited His brother couldn't be in here, though, because there would have been tears and fighting already ensued. But what I had was better in comparison. What I had was better. But we cling to our expectations, and our expectations are this finished product. See, now, he wouldn't have gotten the real surprise that I had in store for him if he would have settled for that little one. But see, a lot of times we settle for the expectations around the dreams God has given us because it's it's done, it's done, it's finished. I got it, I'm done, I can check it off. It's been here when I want it to be here, I don't have to wait anymore. And we remove ourselves from the process of allowing God to fulfill the promise to us in his time. But we think of it as this, God came, he showed up on a donkey, he gave us a message and then he departed never to be heard from again. Like he's given us this, prob- this promise and then he's left. Nowhere to be seen, he's gone. He'll come back when it's time to bring the promise. When that is, I have no idea. Is that the God that we serve? But we are so impatient to stay in the process with God. But would you, just listen to this question, would you as a parent and your child, if you, you had a desire to give him something, to give them something, And you also had the opportunity for them to be next to you as you build it for them. 
helping you alongside you, wouldn't that be better than just someday giving it to them completed? Right? Wouldn't that be so much better, so much more rewarding? I know, like, I want, I want my kids to be able to inherit land from me. Easy. But I don't want to buy this polished piece of land right now. I want to buy something that needs some work. Because I want my children to enjoy the process that when they have children, they can look at this place saying, we built this with our father. He promised that we would have it and we got to build it with him. And then he gave it to us as he said he would. Would that not be a better situation than just giving them a finished product? Turn just a few pages back to 1 Samuel 16. This is a popular passage, but it will illustrate the point. These two passages that we're to read. In verse 1 of 1 Samuel 16, the Lord said to Samuel, How long? Oh, sorry, hold on. Liam, you want to go to children's church? No, you're good? Okay, great. All right. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. For I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Elib and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, the, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. And then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up. And went to Ramah. Now, what we see here is the dream given. Really clearly, what has David just been anointed to be? King. King over Israel. He's anointed to be king over Israel. Now look, it's 2 Samuel 5. Verse 1. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Behold, we are your bone and flesh in times past when Saul was king over us. It was you who led out and brought in Israel. 
And the Lord said to you, you shall be shepherd of my people Israel and you shall be prince over Israel. So the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign and he reigned 40 years. At Hebron, he reigned over Judea seven years and six months. And at Jerusalem, he reigned over all Israel and Judea 33 years. Dream brought to fruition. Did that happen overnight? Did that happen very quickly at all? No, we know that a lot of years existed between that moment where he was anointed and the moment where he was crowned. A lot of things happened in between there. He lived a lot of life. Many years between those two passages for David. Not immediately given that that kingship, but had to walk through this process with the Lord before receiving the promise. And then in Acts 13, just look at at the screens. At Acts 13... 22, and when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all of my will. God found that in him and gave him the dream, knowing he wouldn't check out of the process. Never forming an expectation, but receiving and following. What would have happened... If Liam had said, well, he did say it, but what would have happened if we just ended the example right there if, the Liam, if Liam had said no? Like, I'm good with this little piece of candy. And went and sat back down. I'm telling you, that thing would still be covered. He removed himself from the process. There was a moment where I needed him to trust me, put his trust in me, put his faith in me that I was leading him to the dream that I had promised him this morning from before we left the house. And he had to do that in order to get to it. But we hold on to these expectations, checking ourselves out of the process and unable to ever find ourselves in that moment that David found himself where the promise had come to fruition because we're settling for cheap substitutes. We hold on to all these things, trying to create the abundance that we're searching for. We know that we're meant to live in abundance, that we're meant to live in the overflow, but the things that we're thinking are the abundance are actually the things that we're holding on to that are keeping us from abundance. If I'm holding on to expectations formed in myself around this promise of God, which is an abundant promise, does he give little things? He does big things. I'm telling you right now, just look, just start to think about what God What happened when God said, let there be light? When God started creating? And you tell me, has it ever stopped? Has it ever stopped? Scientists will tell you that space continues to go on and on and on and on and on. They cannot reach the end of it. It's impossible. There's no ability to reach the end. And they say it's as if it continues to be created. Because God doesn't just speak and it just simply stops. When God speaks, when God 
brings a promise to you, that promise is not meant to be this tiny thing, but it will impact generations if you find yourself receiving it. If you come into that place where you get to see that promise come to fruition, it will not just impact you, it will impact all those around you and it will impact generations yet to come. Will Ashley's children know of the promise God had given her? Will they be impacted by it? Has her husband been impacted by it? This man didn't know her, had never met her, found himself standing at this altar in the midst of a promise that he spoke over her. Finding himself in the midst of it, completely consumed by it, impacted by it. And they'll have children that will be impacted by this, by this promise of God in this singular moment. And generations after generations after generations that will come from that line will be impacted by that one promise. Because when God speaks, he continues, and it continues to create within itself. It continues to move forward. And it continues to provide abundance and overflow. He came that we would have life and have it in abundance. So when he speaks a promise to you, he speaks a promise of abundance. If you stay in process with him, don't form your expectations around him and allow him to be who God is and who he has a desire to be to you, then we can see these things. But the things that we are holding on to, the expectations around the promises of God spoken to us that we are holding on to are keeping us from the fullness and abundance that he has for us. Now just a few pages back in Acts 3, verse 1. Again, a popular passage. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, That is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. He fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong, and leaping he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, do you think that man returned to the gate the next day? So then, when does a beggar stop begging? A beggar stops begging when they encounter abundance. Do they not? So then, why are the children of God, and I don't, if you take offense to it, that's okay. I'm not worried about it, because I had to ask myself this question too. Because you know, and you can ask Randy of testimony of this, where I was realizing that I had dreams and I was putting expectations around them and I was settling for cheap substitutes. And the Lord brought this question, why do the children of God, why are we running around scavenging for scraps of a dream like a beggar? Why do we run around 
trying to gather and hold on to as much as we can to piece together this dream that God has for us, these promises that God has made to us, like a beggar. Luke 12, 24. Consider the ravens. Neither, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? Children of God, it is time to remove the expectations. Now, I'm talking about the expectations that are formed within you and by you. And you can know the difference. Those expectations normally come with turmoil and striving. It requires you to work. It requires you to go out and do it. It causes stress. It causes anxiety. Again, it causes turmoil. Those expectations that we create around the promises of God. It's time that we would remove those. Again, the Lord has said over this year, I am rebuilding the mystery in my people. To be a mysterious people again. So we've got to let God be God and be prepared to be blown away. You didn't get to see it. I wish you had gotten to see it. But you can imagine it. The face that he made when I uncovered all that candy. God loves when you make that face. He loves to surprise you. He loves to blow your mind. He we have read, he says, that he can't even tell us the fullness of what he's doing because we could not comprehend it. That doesn't just mean the things that you're a part of building, that means the things he's doing in your own life. He could not tell you the fullness of it because you cannot comprehend the goodness of God that is for you and running after you and establishing your steps ahead of you. Can't imagine it, can't comprehend it. That's the God that we serve. But we've got to let God be God. We've got to stop being those that would scavenge for scraps of a dream, scavenge for parts of a promise that we've created in and of ourselves and let God be God. And the only expectation we need to have is the only expectation I would expect of Johnny. And now since she shared her testimony, we can all expect it of her too, is that she would trust God to be faithful. You tell me, is there, if that's the only peace of God she ever encountered, but seeing someone paralyzed from the neck down stand up here at the altar and be married, walk down that aisle in their own strength, you could see her, you would never know that she laid in a bed unable to move. Is there any, any way that doubt should exist in that story? No way, dude. She saw someone limp. She saw this person at the beautiful gate get up and leap in her own life. Sorry, you're on the spot. You, you got the mic, so I got you now. There can be no way. But we, and myself included, we are so quick to forget who God is to us and all that he's done for us. And it allows the opportunity to start to put expectations to God. Let God be God. And when I say let God be God, I mean remember what God has done in your own life and how he has simply been God to you. Let him just keep on doing that. Get out of the way. Let him do it. Let him bring the dreams that he has for you. Let him bring the promises that he's spoken over you. We're gonna watch a video about Rhea and Amanda, like I said. And I'm telling you, I remember vividly standing right here 
with my, my new wife, pregnant with our first child, and them speaking and prophesying over us. And I'm telling you, we're only here because of those promises and we are encountering each and every day the promises that they spoke over us. We're, encount- we're living in the days of, of fruition. We're living in it. But I'm telling you right now, it blew our expectations. Totally blew our expectations out of the water. They said at one moment, they said that we were, we were getting ready for a journey. We were in the wilderness and then we were going to be in a promised land. And we thought, sweet, we get to leave sundown someday. Because we didn't like sundown back then. We were away from our family, from everything familiar, and it was uncomfortable. We lived next to a Dairy Queen and there was temptation all around us. But the Lord also said, if you want to see, he said this very clearly four years ago. He just simply asked. We were, Sarah and I were struggling. We kept, we kept listening over and over to those prophecies. And he just simply asked me. I was at that stop sign on that side of the school. I was going home. And he asked me, would you rather be where I am or where your family is? Like, you're right. I'd rather be where you are. And I'm telling you right then, fruition. Promises and dreams started to come to pass. He removed the expectation of what he said he was going to do. And then all of a sudden, this wilderness became our promised land. Just like that, in a single moment. And they had spoken that it would happen. And it immediately happened. And it became this place of favor and this place of great beauty for our own stories in it, those words spoken over us, I'm telling you is what has brought me to be on this stage today. But I sure did a, I worked really hard to make sure that this was gonna be an uphill battle for God with my own expectations around what I think he should do to answer these promises and these dreams that he's given to me. It was an uphill battle. And the Lord had to remove a lot of that. But I'm saying, children of God, what would it look like if we just operated without any expectations of him operating in our own life and just lived in the abundance that's waiting for us to remove expectation? Because if you walk with expectation around how you think God should do something, you cannot live in abundance. It's impossible. I can't fill up the water bottle if I never take the lid off. I can't overflow if there's a cap. But if we have expectations, I'm telling you there's a cap. Because I want to hold on to everything that's in. But eventually what's in will dry up. Because it's not meant to be a cap. We're meant to exist outside the cup, in the overflow, in the abundance. That's where abundance exists and that's where we're meant to operate. So let us remove, lay down any expectations you have because I believe so strongly and so, so passionately that what is going to be so mysterious to the people around us is that they will see children of God receiving promises from God and not just receiving them, but seeing them come to fruition. That we would live in the days of promises answered and promises kept. And that all around us, they would see these promises being spoken and these promises being answered. These dreams being dreamt and these dreams coming to life. And that they would know that we are the children of God.
in these days. Lord, we thank you for this morning. I pray that this morning we would lay down any expectation around how we think you should do something. Especially how we think you should do something for us. God, you are good and you are worthy and you have spoken these promises to us because you love us. You have given these dreams to us. If we abide, if we remain in, then the dreams of our hearts have originated in your heart for us. We simply need to receive. We simply need to say yes and amen, yes and let it be and allow you to do what you have to do. But Lord, I pray that we would no longer rob you of the process with us. But that we would be a children of God that desire to be in process with you. Because in that we know you. In that, in that process you can teach us. You couldn't release David to be king the moment he was anointed for it. Because you had to teach him a lot of things before that fruition of the promise could come. So I pray that we would live in days of promises seen, promises coming to fruition, and that they would come to fruition because we stayed in process. And every prepping, every preparating work you need to do in us would be done. That we would be equipped and ready to receive the promise that you have for us. You don't speak over us. You don't give us dreams and promises lightly. And they're not meant for where we are right now. They're meant for where you desire to take us. And in that place, they wait for us. So Lord, we pray that, I, I pray that we, this house, would lay down our expectations formed within ourselves. And our only expectation would be that you would be God to us as you've always been. Allow us to recall all the moments that you have been faithful. Let us not easily forget them. Lord, I just pray for a people that would stay in process with you. I pray that we would be a people of abundance. Not in materialistic things, but abundance of life. That the river of life flows out of us with power and authority and that it would consume all those around us. Let us be people of abundance, people of overflow. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.